Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the program once again. Second show today, but it's going to be a fun one because we've got Weekly Fridays with Jack. Jack, how are you doing, man? I'm good. How are you doing, Rohan? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. A nice end to the week here, uh, chopping it up with some 49ers news. And uh, glad to have you back on the program. Yeah, always, anytime. I love talking football with you. It's always a lot of fun. So let's get to it. Yes, sir. And I mean, you said, let's get to it. So we got to talk about the main nugget that came this week. The 49ers signed some players. We'll get to that. But we first got to talk about the man, the myth, the legend, Brandon Ayuk. Ayuk earlier this week, uh, everyone loves tweets. Everyone loves Instagram posts. You know, Debo Samuel last year, we all saw his friend post, if it ain't 25 million, we don't want it. Uh, A clear sign in the negotiations with the 49ers. Earlier this week, Brandon Ayuk said, 1,000 yards is the fourth option in a run-first offense. I'm as real as it gets. Uh, quoting Lil Baby, a song lyric there, talking about his fourth year and his business. Many inferred it to be about uh, Brandon Ayuk and him not necessarily getting the contract that he might have wanted in the first negotiation between the 49ers. For clarification, Ayuk is in the – he's finished three years. He has two years remaining if the 49ers pick up his fifth-year option, which is expected. And then – so. Normally, a 49ers negotiate the fourth year of player contracts when they have a fifth-year option, one year before they hit free agency. They might have started a little early here with Ayuk, trying to get him two years away because understanding that he just had one good year, should have another year, which likely boosts his stock. Maybe Ayuk took it as a little uh, displeasure with the with the contract negotiations. But that aside, Jack, what did you think initially about, do you think Brandon Ayuk's not happy? Is there any worry at all? What are you thinking? Well, you know, Ayuk hasn't gotten a, a lot of run with the 49ers. You know, he what he's last year he kind of became the number one a little bit by default because Debo Samuel had a late start to the year, then he was dealing with some injuries. And so, you know, and plus, like Ayuk says, in the 49ers offense, they don't throw the ball as often as some of these other teams around the league. So when you start to compare his numbers of receiver to whoever else you want to compare him to, you also got to you got take a close look at it because he's not going to get as many targets as everybody else. So, you know, from a, from a statistical st- standpoint, his overall numbers are might not look the same as, or as good as some of these other guys. Um, is he unhappy about that? You know, you know, I think this is the guy who is just looking to get paid a guy who deserves to get paid uh, and, and he wants to maximize his value. And I do think he needs to go out there and prove it one more time. Uh, that, that he can be the guy right now. He's the 49ers number two receiver. So if he wants to get paid more than the number one or the same as the number one, he's going to really have to do something in uh, 2023. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the song itself quotes kind of impatience and that might be a little part of it, right? Obviously um, there might be a little bit, not only impatience for the contract, but impatience once again to prove it, that he can be the guy, which he clearly has uh, enough confidence in himself, and deservedly so. Brandon Ayuk had a phenomenal year in 2022. He was the number one receiver for the 49ers. Debo Samuel obviously spent some time injured, but even when the two were playing, Ayuk showcased his talents, and that's a guy who the 49ers believe can be a wide receiver one. He believes he can be a wide receiver one, and 
based on what the what some of the reports are surfacing about other teams looking to trade for him, the league believes he can be a wide receiver one. So I'm expecting a nice year for Ayuk. As for any concerns regarding the organization, I'm not worried. The 49ers, they've made it clear. John Lynch has publicly stated how he likes to normally negotiate deals with the last year, uh, before the last year of that contract. I think it makes it a little easier in terms of projections because you don't have to worry about projecting for two years as opposed to just projecting for the next year. And it gives you a more clear standpoint of where the team is. So would expect any real extension talks to only surface next offseason when Ayuk has completed his fourth year with the fifth year option likely to be picked up. But nonetheless, certainly interesting a little bit. Yeah, oh, it's definitely interesting. It's, it's definitely good good stuff to talk about um, during the offseason. Uh, these kind of things always get get the attention. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I mean, nowadays, social media has been like the number one gimmick for players to utilize to their advantage. Social media, the media themselves. Right. I mean, you see the 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 leverage when you talk about leverage. Teams have their sort of leverage. That's how the CBA has been negotiated. But players are finding different ways to utilize their never leverage, trade requests through the media to certain people, uh, social media posts themselves to try and uh, further their stance. I mean, we've seen the Lamar Jackson kind of um, uh, Lamar Jackson situation kind of unfold in a similar way where Lamar Jackson has utilized the media to his uh, to, to his advantage in a way. So it, it's the somewhat of the landscape of today's NFL and uh, while I don't think this amounts to much, even if I somehow formally request a trade within the next year, I still believe he'll be a 49er for, uh, I think he'll get at least one extension with the 49ers. Yeah, I think I think the 49ers would be smart to use the fifth year option here on Ayuk and then uh, and then work on that long-term deal depending on how the season goes. So we'll see how it works. I do think we'll see him here for another year, another two years. Uh, I know we have a topic a little bit down the road. Uh, talks about salary cap issues, and so we'll talk about that then. Yeah, hundred percent. Let's quickly go ahead and talk about George's comment here. He asked, "Has Robbie Gould signed anywhere?" George, he has not. But let's address this topic because the kicker market is somewhat dried up. Uh, couple, uh, Eddie Pinheiro, he got re-signed by the Carolina Panthers, a guy who many believe could be an option for the 49ers given his age and the successful season he had last year in Carolina. Do you envision Robbie Gould potentially coming back? What do you think about Gould's situation? Understanding his salary cap, like or his cap demands, likely the fact that his family lives in the Midwest. Robbie Gould, right now. I think the foreigners are keeping all their all their options open here. Uh, you know, I think Gould is somebody they're they're trying to work probably work with to bring him back because the guy's been money for them uh, from forty five yards and in. He's he's hitting them all the time, uh, especially in the postseason. We'll see. There, there's not a whole lot of options out there when you when you go beyond that. You know, maybe uh, suck up. He was just released, so maybe that's a, an option they go after. Uh, maybe it's uh, Chase McLaughlin, who I don't believe has, re- has signed with anybody yet. Foreigners have some history with him from back in 2019, so they know about him. Maybe he's somebody they're going to look at. Um, otherwise, they turn to the draft, and they've already stated that they're going to be uh, looking in that direction. Maybe that's the way to go to actually be able to to get a, a kicker in that's pretty solid at a really reasonable rate. Similar to what they've been doing with the quarterbacks. Right, and I, I want to float the scenario with you, understanding what you just said. Kicker at a reasonable rate. Do you think that Robbie Gould could wait till after the draft, or maybe the 49ers themselves wait till after the draft, Look to go through the draft. If they find a kicker they like at the value that uh, the draft presents, draft them. If not, go back to Gould. Do you think that that could be an option, or do you think that that's too long to wait for a veteran like Gould? No, I, I don't think it's too long to wait. It, no, that's up to, to Gould if he wants to sign with somebody else or somebody else, another team's going to give him the kind of money that that he's looking for. The kicker market's kind of crazy right now. Right. You know, up over $5 million and stuff like that for some of these guys. Uh, I don't think – you know, as good as Robbie Gold is and has been for the Fires, I don't think he's, I don't think his value is should be that high, uh, in terms of that that dollar amount. So we'll see if the Fournieres decide to make a move there. But I would, I could easily see the Fournieres letting this thing roll a little bit further. Gold probably doing the same thing because he's trying to get his money. Um, the, this deal getting done after the draft wouldn't surprise me. I think that's around the time that it got done, uh, the last time he went was going through this process with the team. I, I wouldn't be surprised either if, if it got to the draft. I think it might even be in the 49ers' best interest. They keep an over, uh, open dialogue with Gould. Look to try and improve in free agency, understanding what that brings, because obviously if you can't – or sorry, not free agency, the draft. If you, if you can get your option via the draft, 
I think that that's 49ers understanding you get a younger guy who you believe can uh, fulfill the needs of what a kicker requires. Obviously, the one main thing that Gould provides is postseason experience. Obviously, a rookie will not have that, but you mm -hmm. add in the kickoff ability, maybe even in the deep um, deep range ability, and you get a cheaper option. That's the most important thing for the 49ers managing the cap right now. I think that they can get it done, but it's also got to be at a value that they like. So I do like the idea of keeping their options open. Seems like the kicker mark a little bit. Wouldn't be surprised if Gould does the same situation as well. Well, and here's real quick. You, you mentioned the postseason thing with, with Riley Gould. And, you know, even though they don't have a full postseason like they do in the NFL, and, yes, it's college, there there are playoffs now in, in college. Right. And, and the, the, the guy out of Michigan, Moody, who everybody's talking about with the 49ers, uh, he hit a 60-yarder if my memory serves me correct, uh, in, in that game against TCU. So here's a guy who, who's who got a big leg that can do all these things, and, and if he can come to the foreigners want to go in that direction, I, I would not personally be upset to see them use one of their third-round comp picks on him. There you go. There you hear it from Jack. Another quick question from Moses Martinez. Just want to get this uh, here. Uh, what are the chances the 49ers get Christian Gonzalez, the DB out of Oregon? Moses from draft, uh, from what I've heard from scouts and also what you hear from analysts in general, Christian Gonzalez seems like a first round pick at the moment. Uh, I would not be, uh, I don't think that there's any chance at the moment the 49ers can draft Christian Gonzalez, barring some significantly, uh, uh, some significant trade that uh, we don't realize. Yeah, it would have to, it would have to be a big, a big swing to get up into the first round. Yeah. Because uh, they don't have anything till the end of the third. But those picks that the Fires have, I know they call them thirds, but you no. Know, in terms of the position, they're they're actually fourth. yeah, they're closer to fourth. Uh, yeah, so when you look at the draft comp charts and stuff like that, it's it, they're not as good as even most some of the other thirds. So, uh, cost pointers a lot to trade up in general would be a good move if they can. But who are they going to trade? Is it going to be the guy whose name's going across the bottom on the school? Or are they going to trade Brandon Ayuk in, in order to to be able to get up there? Right. Is it going to be a Trey Lance? I don't see anybody off the defense being traded uh, at this point to that would be able to recoup that kind of stuff unless it's Nick Bosa. Exactly. And I mean, when you talk about it too, not only is the trade part difficult to, to somehow attain a guy like Christian Gonzalez, the other part is also when you talk about um, the cornerback situation, the 49ers, first of all, they don't uh, spend too much uh, capital on the cornerback situation in terms of high-end capital. They haven't done that uh, so far in the Shanahan lunch era. It's been mainly in the mid-rounds that they've gone for the position. But also, I think they have confidence in the room right now. After the Isaiah Oliver signing, I think they think they have four capable guys in Lenore, who played fine uh, uh, towards the end of the year when he was a starter. You've got Traverius Ward, a high-end uh, high-end guy, pretty much a mid-end corner, uh, a mid-range cornerback one. And then you've got obviously Isaiah Oliver, the guy who they signed to compete with Samuel Womack at the nickel. Yeah, I, I look at this at their starting group as um, as good as anybody in the league. I think that this defense is, is we'll get into it again as far as their offseason moves, but I think they've they've done a really good job uh, in that secondary. I think the secondary is better than it was last year, and they got a young guy in the Nor who, if if they're tied in with him, he can be here for a few yeah. years. Uh, same thing with Travis Ward and the other end, even though his contract only goes through next year, but there's always extensions and things like that. Yeah, hundred percent. Real quick, do want to give a shout out to Bryant Culp and then get uh, talk about this a little bit. Graytone here says draft tank, Dell, Jonathan Mingo. For those of you guys that don't know in the comments, both of these guys are receivers. And Jack, I want to phrase this question a little different. Jonathan Mingo has been a guy who recently has uh, been linked to the 49ers. But let's not specifically talk about the player itself. Let's talk about the position because it's interesting. Mingo seems like he'll be a, a mid-round guy. Would you spend a mid-round pick on a wide receiver? Let's potentially say he's the best player available. Would you spend the mid-round pick on a wide receiver, understanding where the 49ers currently are? It's There's no reason not to. If he, if he's the best player available, there, there's, there are going to be holes on this roster, not necessarily uh, right now, but moving forward, right, in, in future years. And we've seen the 49ers be willing to use picks in rounds two and three on guys or even four, whatever, on guys who they – they think that can play for them, but maybe not right now. They're, they're, they're drafting them now because they want them to play next year. So a guy like Mingo, if you, if, if that's who they have on their board as somebody that they really want and he's there for them. And then at a, at a spot where they want to get them, go grab them right now. You have an open spot on your receiving core anyway, at, at the sixth number six spot, you know, let them compete with 
all these other guys and uh, and let it and let it go from there because you know we just talked about the Ayukes, you know where he is. Juwan Jennings only you know has one year on his contract. Same thing with um, Ray Ray McLeod. So there's there's going to be holes down the road. So you start to fill those now. It's one of the things that the Flyers do a lot, and people get upset with them because their draft picks don't necessarily come out and you know show great things in year one. Uh, but people often you know, because of that, they just kind of miss it. Even those guys come back and do it in year two. We saw it last year with, with Aaron Banks and et cetera. I mean, I think you bring up the best point in that they like to insulate for the future. Aaron Banks is a, is a uh, an example of that, and there are several examples of that. Right now, when you look at the wide receiver room, it may seem completely intact, right? You've got five guys who are going to play this year. You've got Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, you've got Danny Gray, you've got Ray Ray McLeod, and Jawan Jennings. Those are five. The 49ers have ro- rolled with five last year, but they also have shown that they can uh, that earlier in the Shanahan era that they rolled with six wide receivers. It really depends on the offensive personnel groupings that they end up having on the 53-man roster. But to me, the interesting part is Ray Ray McLeod is a free agent next year. Don't know if he'll be re- if he'll be brought back or if he gets himself priced out of the 49ers range. Uh, Jawan Jennings is no longer restricted. He'll be an unrestricted free agent. You can't get him for under a million dollars anymore. He likely gets a solid mm-hmm. contract from whatever team based on his blocking ability and first down um uh first downs as a third down uh, option so there are two receivers there that could price themselves out of the 49ers range jonathan mingo or whoever tank dell even if if you're thinking about tank dell um two of those receivers could be guys you see them in rounds if they're the best player available you draft for the future understanding you might lose one or if not both of the guys i mentioned above and so remember receivers especially in the mid rounds they're not just about uh, uh, pure receiving ability. Blocking ability has to be uh, in in, uh, in question with the 49ers especially, and also special teams ability. That's a reason why the 49ers liked a guy like Malik Turner last year as the sixth receiver, a guy who they elevated, or maybe even uh, Willie Sneed last year at times. They, they You need some of those guys to play on special teams. And so I do think that there are certain things like that as well. Oh yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see how what they do there. And then I like the the comment that just popped up here a second ago from Great One Seven Sixty Five. So he's the one that brought up the, the uh, Tank Dell and Jonathan Mingo, and then he brings up Viliami Fajoko wow. and KJ Henry at defensive end. And uh, I'm just going to mention this one on Fajoko. I've been talking him up on Twitter a little bit the last couple of days. Fortiners just saw him uh, during his pro day at San Jose State. He's a Spartan. Uh, Fajoko, if you don't know, he's uh, he's going to be a late round guy. Probably expect him to go somewhere in the later rounds, five, six, maybe an undrafted free agent, right. depending on how things go. But this is a guy that's that's put up good numbers for San Jose State. Twenty two sacks in the last three years, uh, forty four tackles for loss, uh, five sacks, a bunch of passes deflected at the line of scrimmage, those kinds of things. Uh, and he's also the one little thing. Other part about Fajoko is he's actually a second cousin of Vita Vea, mm. who is the uh, the uh, defensive tackle for uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So he's got the bloodlines there. The Flyers seem to kind of like that when you look at uh, what they've done in, in the past with with Nick Bosa. Hell, their head coach is a, has bloodlines in the NFL as well. So, uh, you know, that's a, that's a name to keep an eye on. He's a local guy, and it would be cool to see him get a shot with the 49ers. Yeah, I mean, I agree. And, I mean, like you said, local guy, um, late-round guy. And when you talk about the edge position, it's it's certainly an interesting position to talk about with the 49ers. They've obviously placed an emphasis on the position, looking to get maybe 10 uh, defensive linemen, even 11 at times on their 53-man roster. And so right now the 49ers have a good amount of defensive tackles. That's clear. They have six guys who they believe likely can compete on the 53-man roster in uh, Ark Armstead, Javon Hargrave, Kalia Davis, T.Y. McGill, Kevin Givens, and then Javon Kinlaw. Those are six guys who they believe can compete. On the edge, they're not as deep at the moment, at least with high-end talent, right? You have Drake Jackson, who's there. You have uh, uh, Austin Austin Bryant uh, from Detroit, who they just signed. You have Cleveland Farrell, and then you have the one other guy that they re-signed, who I'm forgetting off the top of my mind. Nick Bosa, and and uh, there we go. Yeah, Nick that's, Bosa. That's I the, thought I said that's him the other the, one with the defensive tackles. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, one one other one is. Uh, one other one is Alex Barrett Correct. as well. And Barrett's been, Barrett's been around Alex the team. Barrett. I think that's probably here. That's probably you were trying to trying to recall. But regardless, you have four or five guys. I don't know if Barrett is a three-man guy. They like him. They've had him on the practice squad the past few years. But you have four or five guys. Mm-hmm. I still don't know if Bryant himself is a is the fifty-three-man guy. So you have some space at edge where you could add talent. And remember, these late-round guys, 
essentially it's a crapshoot. You're trying to see who can compete, who can maybe even make the the practice squad after uh, after training camp. And guys like Bahoko, guys like KJ Henry from Clemson, they can also fit that mold as well. The 49ers love defensive ends. If their best player available, you do want to. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they go after the position in the draft. Yeah, no, I wouldn't be surprised. Every position's open in the draft for the 49ers. You look across the board, and, and there's not one position where you can say they don't, other than maybe if there was one where I'd say maybe you don't go that direction as linebacker because they're 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 just have their cupboard is so full at linebacker. Right. I don't know if there's really a reason to use a, a draft pick there. Uh especially when you have, you know, like Marcelino McCurry Ball, who you, you took as an undrafted for agent last year, who uh, has all the signs of being like the next uh, Aziz Alshire or Demetrius Vanagan Fowles kind of guy. So, uh, I, you know, other than that spot, I think every position along this team is open for a draft pick. So Jack is saying we should take seven punters in this draft. That's what I heard right there. No, seven field goal kickers because oh, yeah. we have a punter. We got Mitch. We got Mitch from you know down under. He can he can blast the ball. So we're good there. We just we just need to have a a guy that can put the ball through the uprights. Oh, there you go. Seven field goal kickers. We'll draft every single one that's declaring in the draft. But there you go. But going back to uh, the topic at hand, we just talked about edge rushers, right? A couple of guys on the board that could be in the draft 49ers target. But I want to ask you this because there are a couple of guys in the market still Leonard Floyd, um, uh, Jadavion Clowney, if you still consider him a premier edge. But the big one, Yannick Ngakwe. Do you think another premier edge is, is still in the cards with the 49ers, understanding they might still sign four or five more guys before uh, the end or before the beginning of the NFL draft? I think they're going to be signing. There's going to be another edge signing. Um, is it going to be one of these premier guys? Uh, maybe a Floyd, you know, Yannick Ngakwe, the more that I look at him, the more that I kind of listen to things about him, the more I don't think he fits the 49ers. This is the guy who, uh, doesn't play the run very well. Yeah. He's pretty much a pass rusher. At all. And, and that right there, in a way, kind of, you know, gets you out of the picture when it comes to the 49ers. Uh, and, and the other thing with Ngakwe is he's never been, like everybody talks about the Farmers bringing him in as a situational pass rusher, but he's never done that in his career. He's never just been a situational pass rusher. He's a guy, guy that's, he's an every down guy that plays about 70% of the snaps for the most part. The only time that, in looking back at his numbers, the one time that he didn't do that was when he was uh, he got traded to the Ravens in the middle of one of the seasons there, and he played only about fifty nine percent of the snaps. So still a pretty good amount of them during that time that he was with them, but still you know a little bit less. He played roughly 350, 370 snaps, something like that, with the Ravens that year. Had three sacks during that time. Now you got to remember who the Foreigners have. They have Drake Jackson, mm-hmm. right? A guy who. Young guy, Drake Jackson can play the run very well. He not only does he get after the quarterback, we saw him be able to get up and knock passes down. We saw him get a you know a pick and a big moment against the Raiders. He played roughly the same number of snaps this season in his rookie year as as uh, Ngakwe did in that one year that he was with with Baltimore. They both had three sacks, so I don't think there's a big difference between these guys. I really don't. I, I like Ngakwe. Puts up big numbers. He's consistent. If Drake Jackson is the guy the 49ers expect him to be, uh, he's going to be just fine. And it, it's, it's it's overkill with Ngakwe. I think just it's going to be too expensive for them at the end of the day. I just don't see it happening. I somewhat agree pretty much. Uh, early on in the offseason, a lot of people loved Ngakwe as the number one guy over defensive tackles and things like that. I was less on him because of the one factor you brought up, the run defense. Because my number mm-hmm. one goal this offseason for the 49ers, get every down players. Ngakwe fits the mold based on his prior uh, prior uh, play, but he isn't an every-down player in terms of being a elite pass rusher, but also a solid enough run defender. He's a negative in a way, or not negative, but he's not the best in, in run defense. And so to me, that's where you, you look at it, right? The 49ers do normally like to have the best, best run defenders on the team. They're on early downs. And so that's where you do somewhat question the fit. Now, I do know the 49ers liked Ngakwe, at this point, after the signing of Cleveland Farrell, I kind of pivoted away, and I don't know if they're going to go after a premier edge like Ngakwe unless you can get him for, for a value. And I still think that there is value to be made. A guy who I brought up earlier today with Grant and a guy who I've thought about, Leonard Floyd instead of the Los Angeles Rams, was released, which means he doesn't count against the compensatory formula, which the 49ers, they love their comp picks. You don't want necessarily one of them to get canceled, one of those threes especially that they get from Mike McGlinchey. Leonard Floyd is a guy who 
uh, has been productive with the Rams, was released because of his salary, and I think he's a guy who could be a solid fit because he's a solid run defender, has played a lot in in 3-4 systems uh, recently with Chicago and then with the Rams, but I think he'd be a fine fit here in uh, here with the 49ers, and understanding his age, the market right now simmering for edges, I, I think that the 49ers could get it done on a one-year deal that is incentive-based, but not too, too expensive to where it hurts them against the cap. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's and that's a good point that you make there. Maybe that's the direction they go. I just know that Ngakwe has been the name that everybody's been talking about. They're, they might bring somebody else in there. I don't know if they how invested they are in, in Austin Bryant. I think they're. Right. I think Farrell's a guy who you can pretty much expect that he's going to make it to the fifty-three Agreed. at the when, when they get out of training camp. Now, Bryant, I'm not so sure, but you know, Bryant's whole thing is he just needs to stay healthy. If that guy can stay healthy, I think he's going to be fine. The, the only year he's played more than ten snaps is. Uh, 2021 and you know you got four and a half sacks that year so if he can stay healthy and stay in the field i, I think he can help the team i agree i agree we'll I, I think that Farrell's definitely an interesting guy his money the money in his contract i think it was like 2.2 million kind of indicates that he might uh make the 53-man roster at the moment uh don't know uh if i'd say the same about bryant bryant's an interesting player i don't think without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. He, uh, I don't think he ends up making the 53-man roster just way initially at the moment just because um, I don't think his pass rushing numbers are as strong as some other players that are on the market, but also that the 49ers normally uh, go out, like uh, have on the 53-man roster. But the edge talk is always interesting because the 49ers, you can never count them out when it comes to edge rushers. Kyle Shanahan has said it. You can never have too many edge rushers. So that's definitely a position mm -hmm. that I think they'll add, be it in the draft or in free agency. Yeah, that no, that uh, there's going to be there's going to be more people brought in. You, you know, they have to have they're going to get the ninety right. right? And right now, they're I think at sixty three is the number right now. So they're going to be adding more guys. I you know they got to get up to to fifteen offensive linemen. They're going to have four or five tight ends. You know, there's going to be another running back added. Maybe a maybe even a fullback, a bunch of wide receivers. There's going to be a bunch of players added to the roster uh, for training camp purposes. Uh, and, and those guys are, are all going to have a chance to come. You know, some of those guys are going to have more of a chance to compete than others just because of their veteran status and that kind of thing. You know? Remember, San Francisco had 17 defensive linemen on their 90-man last year, I think, to start. They, 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 they love them. So wouldn't be surprised. Wouldn't be surprised. Wouldn't either. Me, uh, but moving forward, another position that the 49ers look to address this, uh, uh, this week, John Feliciano signed to a one-year deal, $2.25 million. 49ers structured this different than a lot of their other deals. No void years. It's a one-year deal, and it's fully guaranteed. It's pretty much an indication that he'll make the 53-man roster, in my opinion. What did you think about the signing? And I'll ask the second question, the follow-up after that. <laughs> 
Okay. No, I thought that was a good signing. Feliciano, it's interesting. Feliciano was a guy that I thought the 49ers should have signed in, in free agency a couple of years back. I remember, I don't remember if it was when I was with the Press Democrat, with the, that's the article that I, if I was there with where I am now, or if it was when I was still with Sports Illustrated prior to that. But I had mentioned him as a guy the 49ers should go after in free agency. I think he stayed with the, I think what ended up happening is he stayed with the Bills or signed with the Bills. Um, so I, I like this one. I, you know, I know he played center last year, but he's primarily a left guard and a right guard. And, and I think this move is could signal, uh, give me a good indication of how this offensive line is going to shake out uh, and, and some changes that maybe people hadn't been looking at before. I, I think so too. And before I talk, I do want to ask the second question. Do you think this is a hedge on either Spencer Burford or Jake Brendel? I think no, no. I don't think it's a hedge on either one of those. I think if, if let me stop, if it's a hedge on either of those two guys, it's a hedge on Burford. And the reason it's a hedge on Burford is because Burford was the one of those two that you mentioned. Burford was the guy who was being rotated in and out with last year uh, with Daniel Brunskill, whereas Brendel played all year long. What I think is going to happen here is I think there's if there's a hedge, the hedge is can Spencer Burford play right tackle? I think Feliciano is a guy who should be a starter. He's shown that he can be a starter in the NFL. He's he's more than capable of that. Played all start all fifteen of the seventeen games last year for the Giants. He could step in right now, be the starting right guard for the Fires. It'd be an upgrade at that position. And then you kick out uh, Burford to right tackle, possibly. I think that makes you a stronger offensive line. Or you just move Burford out of the out of that interior rotation altogether, and he becomes your swing tackle. There we go. I think that that's fair. Um, if, if we're talking hedge, it is more so, I think, on Burford than Brendel. But I also think that this provides the 49ers more versatility. Feliciano played center last year, has normally played guard. Didn't think he looked the best last year, being honest. But I think that he, in the system, can be more solid. He's a solid run to blocker. I think 49ers will like that. And this provides a couple of insurance policies. One, if Burford doesn't pan out the 40, the way the 49ers does, if he doesn't take the next step, you have a guy who you believe is capable. So it's a solid competition there, just not only uh, to put pre- not to put pressure on Burford, but to um, essentially have a way to put him in a competition, continue to uh, fill that Daniel Brunskill role where them two rotated in last year, fill that role there. But also, Nick Sakel is the guy who the 49ers have, uh, have said – they want him to play center. He could be the center of the future, but you don't know that right now. You don't know how he'll play. It's another guy who you provide competition for Zakel, uh, a player who has been a center before, has the versatility, and I think that that is definitely uh, a value there. So I think it, you know it's an insurance policy in multiple ways because you've now got a good amount of interior guys that you like. Burford is there. Zakel is there. You now have Feliciano who should play, essentially taking over that uh, Brunskill role of being the versatile offensive lineman. So you've got certain guys there. But I also think the one thing that they could do, I'm not exactly sure they will do it, is potentially try out some snaps for Burford at right tackle and see if they potentially like that lineup. I think that that is an option for the 49ers, understanding Burford's frame and the way that he played right, uh, he played tackle at UTSA as well. So I think that that could be an option in the card should they like to do that. Yeah, I I think those are you know everything you said kind of we're kind of in the same in line with each other here on this one. Uh, I just it, for me again I like Feliciano. I think he's a he's a really nice fit for him. It's it's a it's a short term guy, but uh, I, I think he should be more than just the. Uh, Daniel Brunskill bounce around the offensive line kind of guy. Yeah, uh, I, I I do agree, and I think this leads into kind of the next thing I want to I want to ask you, which is, are the 49ers done in free agency? We talked about edge, a couple of options there. We talked about offensive line. 49ers don't necessarily have too much tackle depth at the moment. Do you think they're done in free agency with that uh, with with making moves, or do you think that there's still moves to come before the draft? There's a few moves to, to come before the draft. You know, uh, everybody talks about, you know, 90. That's the roster. The furniture at 63. So that means there's 27 players left to fill. They have 11 draft picks. And now you're at 18. You know, they're going to be about 10 to 15 undrafted for agents. So that puts you at, seven. you know, right almost at the number. So I'm going to sign a couple more guys. There, there's a possibility. I think you'll see them look through. And they're, they're going to there's going to be some guys that they bring in closer as we get closer to the draft, maybe even after the draft, they're going to sign some guys. Remember, 
the the biggest free agent signing the I don't know if it's the biggest, but one of the biggest free agent signings for the 49ers in 2022 was signed two weeks in the training camp. And that was the addition of Tayshawn Gibson and what he brought to the table. So in terms of the like free agency, big spending moves, those types of things, I, th I think so. I think we're at the point where you're going to see them mostly getting guys that are on the lower side of, of the salary cap kind of stuff. And uh, that might not even really hit because of the top 51 rule. So are they done? No, but at the same time, kind of yes, in terms of making big splashes. If they make any kind of a deal here, it's going to be you know, a modest deal like what we've seen so far this week. I, I you know, we, we talk, we're talking, I'm sorry, I keep talking, but we're, we were, we were, I mentioned it a little bit ago. If you start, just start looking through the roster, look at where they are now. You got to remember, there's going to be 50, when they hit training camp, there's going to be 15 offensive linemen. When they hit training camp, they're going to have, you know, three deep across the board at all these positions. And you can start to kind of look at their, at their depth chart where they are right now in terms of those positions. And you can see that where they're going to be adding guys. Yeah, I, I do think so as well in terms of they've got to add some guys. Um, you, you talk about the 90 number. 49ers, you've got 11 draft picks. Let's just pencil them in for 20 total drafted and undrafted guys. I don't think they draft 11 guys this year. I think that some of those picks may be moved up or moved down, maybe even for future years. But I think that they look to acquire some extra, uh, some more uh, premium talent in this class as opposed to last year where they stayed put for the first time in the Shanahan Lynch era and selected every one of their picks. So I do think that there will be some more movement. But I think that, yeah, I mean, overall, I think 20 guys, um, you sign some more undrafted guys to match the guys that you do draft. That leaves you at 70 other picks. 49ers only have 63 or 64 right now. That means uh, five, six, seven more guys that could be uh, signed. And I don't expect five, six, seven before free agency, maybe not all of them to, to be before free agency. Maybe you figure it out after uh, the draft as well. Sorry, after the draft, before the draft. You figure it out after the draft as well to see where exactly you need holes or, or sorry, you want to fill holes in terms of the numbers and things like that. So I think that those conversations will be there. Big signings, I think they could happen. I think the two positions I'd look for in terms of big signings, by big I mean signings that are for more than the minimum kind of thing, but the two positions, maybe you might look for a veteran right tackle uh, or veteran tackle in general, because right now in terms of tackle depth, if you consider Jalen Moore a tackle, you can do that. But right now it's really just the two starters. It's it's McKivitz and it's Trent Williams. Behind it, it's Jalen Moore and nobody else. And I think that at this point in his career, if you don't believe Jalen Moore is a guard in regards to the 49ers, I think you've got to at least have some tackle depth behind him to to push him. Because I at this point, I don't know if Jalen Moore is an NFL caliber right or left tackle. I think he's better suited at guard, which he was, uh, in my opinion, coming into the draft. And then he just hasn't played at the position. So I think you could see tackle. I also think you could see edge. Yeah, I, I agree with you on there. Yeah, uh, it seems like we, we agree today. That's a good thing. I, I know. See, well, the thing is, I'm I'm being smart today, so I'm just that's why I'm uh, agreeing so much. Is I'm being smart because I'll mute you're you so if smart. you disagree with me. I agree. Yeah. No, no. I you know sometimes sometimes it's it's best just to go with the smart guys. Got you. But before we get to the topic of today, best and worst signings of free agency, Bryant Culp here. Uh, appreciate you first of all for tuning in, but he he comes in with uh, an interesting topic here. Ninety nine kicker, one hundred one right tackle, one hundred two tight end. I want to spin this a little differently. Positions-wise, do you think that these three could be the first three positions off the board? Yeah, I'm just going to say, holy smokes, Batman. Because Brian likes the Batman uh, symbol there. He's got the bat symbol with the 49ers. Uh, yeah, I, I could see this. This this right here matches up with their needs, right? Get a kicker, get a, a right tackle of the future, and get a tight end that can catch the ball other than, than uh, that they don't have right now that can be there for a while. And, and that would make sense. There's, there's a tight end. I think you're going to get a good right tackle, a good tight end somewhere in this range. Then the kicker, right tackle tight end might be flip flopped around a little bit, but those are the three picks. I think, I would think that can be those three positions could be the first three picks. Come on, Jack, just spit it out. Gee whiz. I wouldn't be surprised. I'll say if these are the first three picks, the way I could, I would see it happening though, is go right tackle, tight end and safety in no order i think that those three could be the first three i think the 49ers might look to get a safety and i i like the i like the the third fourth round of this class in the safety draft i think um i know uh somebody said his name here uh where is it ah it's our guy great tone anyway uh sydney brown i like him his name i think he could be if the 49ers could get him in the third round at 99 i think he'd be a solid option i think there are a couple of options like that and so 
think those three are the positions, but wouldn't be surprised if kicker goes early just because the 49ers have that need. And you don't know how, how long uh, the kickers before that, uh, that pilot kicker starts to go. Yeah, no, absolutely. Daniel Scott, I don't know if that was the name, one of the ones that was on there too. He's out of out of Cal. Another name to keep keep uh, keep an eye on too. Yeah, agreed. But Jack, we got to get to what the title is about today. Best and worst signings of 2023. Let's go with the best first. Let's stay positive. And I, I, I want to give, uh, I want you to give your take best and then uh, we'll, we'll move on to the worst. Uh, I mean, this one's kind of an easy one, right? Uh, you look at it, it's Harvard's the, the the best move that the foreigners made in free agency. It's it's the big splash that they made as the best move that they made in free agency, bringing in Javon Hargrave. I think Javon Hargrave, uh, that's, this is an easy one though. He, he completely changes the defense around because of his ability to rush from inside his ability as a, as a uh, run defender as well. So that's an easy one. So is it okay if I take somebody else Go for it? All right. I think the best signing be, be, uh, behind Javon Hargrave is, is actually uh, the defensive back that they signed uh, Isaiah Oliver out of uh, from Atlanta, formerly of the Colorado Buffaloes in college. I think Oliver signing is, is a big one. Uh, really like that move for the 49ers. Okay. I like it. I like it. I'll also pivot away from uh, Jake Brendel. Oh, sorry, not Jake Brendel. My bad. Javon Hargrave. I don't know how I misspoke mm-hmm. there. Um, because obviously Hargrave was the best in terms, not only in terms of the money, but also in terms of um, some other situations as well. I think that, uh, interestingly enough, I think I'll pivot away. The, the ones that come to mind, the number one that comes to mind is T.Y. McGill. I think T.Y. McGill was a really mm-hmm. interesting signing because he's a low-cost guy. He didn't cost too much. 49ers brought him back, and I thought he was integral for the uh, for the part last year. But I think he was also penciled in to be uh, uh, coming back. But he's an, he, he, you know he's a 30-year-old. I liked him last year i think also with with the value the upside that is there um i think he provides some competition for a guy like javon kinlaw and i think that he's a guy who can make the 53-man roster uh just stop the jump this year i'm saying sorry that one more time the last one 53-man roster off the jump this time this year because last year he wasn't on the 53 initially ended up being signed and then made it yeah no that would make sense that definitely could happen for him this is a really tough one because the 49ers haven't really had worst signings. And again, I don't like to be too, too negative in that just claiming that someone's the worst signing. But what do you think, Jack? Yeah, the, the worst signing, this is a tough one. You know, that you talk about what we like to do this as best and worst and what have you. Um, you know, if you want to look at worst in terms of the guys that they've brought in, I would say maybe Miles Hartsfield. Uh just because you look at, at where he's been across the league, he hasn't produced quite as much as some of these other guys. It's going to be – it's a toss-up, I think, between Hartsfield and Oliver. The rest of them you really like. Those, I think it's going to be between those two guys in terms of how much are they going to bring. Is, is Hartsfield going to make the 53-man roster? Is is uh, Bryant going to be able to make the 53-man roster? So I think that's where you start to look at it. I think that's – yeah, I mean, I, I, don't mind, uh, I don't mind that take. Bryant was a guy in mind. I'll go a little different route here because um, I have some thoughts on the signing and I, I shared a little bit of them last week, but I'll go Jake Brendel. And the reason is Jake Brendel isn't a bad player. I don't think he, I think he's a good starting center in the NFL and he proved that last year in his first year. For me, the reason isn't because of Brendel himself. It's because of what the 49ers had at center in the open market. I thought they could have gotten an upgraded. Garrett Bradbury was the guy they were in on him, didn't end up getting him. And I thought the, you know, the, the cost to acquire him, was marginally more, but the talent, and not only the talent, but the long-term option would have been better because Bradbury's younger. You could have him through the entirety of his prime and solve the position that Kyle Shanahan has um, valued very much on the offensive line. I thought that that could have been an option. And again, it's tough because it's the worst signing you're talking about. Don't mind the Jake Brendel signing. I don't, but I thought that there was better uh, value available on the market. That's where I'll go. I, I really like the Jake Brendel signing, actually. I... I, I, I ah, you say that just to disagree, huh? No, no. I've I've been saying that for, for a it. while though. Like this isn't anything new. If you've been following my channel and tweets and everything like that, I think that Jake Brendel. No, I have you blocked. I can't. I can't see your shit. Well, that's yeah, that's smart. But you know, I think you know Brendel is a guy who he's not a people mover. He's not going to be a, a, the best run blocker, but he's a really good pass protector. The guy is really 
athletic and the athleticism really helps with that pass protection piece. And he's, he's good there. I mean, his first year as a full-time starter, he gets named to the pro bowl team. I know it's an alternate, but still uh, for a guy who had never done what he did this past season to be able to come in and perform that well, uh, I like him and they brought him back at a re- at reasonable rate. Uh, he's not a long-term guy, but for, for a year, another year or two, bring back that, that four fifths of this offensive line. Uh, that's a really good deal. I think. And I mean, the one part that I, I'll say that I do like about it is the continuity. The one thing the 49ers like in the center room is the, that that continuity or familiarity with Kyle Shanahan's scheme. Weston Richburg, a uh, five-year, $47.5 million deal, and Kyle Shanahan brings back Aaron, uh, Alex Mack, right? Alex Mack was a guy who he's, he had in Atlanta, was a guy who was very capable of producing this scheme. So you have a guy who you essentially are starting this acceleration of the rebuild within Richburg. I believe they signed in 18. That was the year they went 4-12. and 12. And then, you know, he's the guy who, when you progress through the future, he's your guy. And then once, obviously, he retired uh, due to his injuries, you have a guy who you bring in in Alex Mack. And then Jake Brendel, the new signing, is Alex Mack's backup and a guy who Chris Forster has significant experience with. So he's a guy who another who had a couple of years in the system. And now has another year in the system. And I, 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 again, I don't mind it. I think it's a solid signing, but I just thought that there was better value as well on the board. Mm, okay. All right. You say so. Oh, if I say so. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's where we're going to go. But, uh, nah, let's, let's, let's step away from free agency. What's currently happening. Let's look forward to the future a little bit. Who's going to step up in 2023? Let's go one offense, maybe in one defense. Stepping up in 2023. All right. Um, I'm going to say the guy that's going to step up in 2023 is going to be on the offensive side, Juwan Jennings. Jennings has been kind of that guy all along, but we talked about it earlier where he's the guy who he's at the end of the line with the 49ers this season. He's all about right now how much money he's going to get with his next team. And he's got to go out and have a really good season in order to make that happen. So I think it's going to be Juwan Jennings. It's all about the amount of touches that he gets, but I think you're going to see a guy who's uh, really going to come out wanting to, he always wants to perform at his highest, but I think, you know, in a contract year, things just sometimes change for these guys and they put up even better numbers. So that's what I'm saying. I'm going to go offense at Juwan Jennings. I like the, I like the pick. I like the pick and I like the reasoning behind it. I'll go a little different route and I'll go with a running back, which is interesting given that you've got two top running backs. It's not going to be TDP, but it's going to be Jordan Mason guy who we've all, uh, seen what he can do the last year. And I think that a second year in the system is going to be very beneficial, not because Jordan Mason wasn't good last year. He was very good, but it also uh, gives him another year to work on his pass protection. The one skill that really he probably wasn't as strong as, which is why he didn't see the field. If he can be a better pass protector, which I think the offseason will help him with, given that he has the strength for it. And if he can also um, showcase a little more with his pass catching ability, which we saw flashes of in the training camp, I think he can be a solid contributor. I don't know if we can depend on Elijah Mitchell's health for 17 games in a season. I wish the best for him, but I don't know if that's going to be the possibility. And so even if Mitchell's on the field, I think the 49ers look to utilize those three running backs in McCaffrey, Mitchell, and Jordan Mason. And I think that Jordan Mason is going to be a valuable guy if he ends up being the backup at one point if Mitchell is injured. So that's the guy who I look to step up. I think that in his second year with the system, we've seen some of those breakouts happen with Kyle Shanahan's offense. I think he's the guy this year. Yeah, we saw a little bit of that breakout last year, right? As the season rolled along and they became, they kind of figured out his role and you saw him really be utilized a lot in that uh, later round or later, not later round, but later part of the game as the, the closer. So I agree with you. I think that's a really good one, Jordan Mason. Let's go to the defense. What do you think? Drake Jackson. I think Drake Jackson's going to be, he's he's the guy that's going to step up this year. He needs to step up, right? Everybody else on that defense is pretty much uh, proven already that what they can do. He's the only guy over there who you look at the, the guys that are, you know, other than maybe Isaiah Oliver, because he's the new guy on the defense, but He's the guy. It's it's Drake Jackson. He needs to come out and uh, he needs to do everything that they expect uh, of him. We, we talked about earlier. They're not going to bring it. Probably not bring in a, a veteran edge rusher. It's so there's a belief in in Drake Jackson, and he needs to make the 49ers' uh, faith pay off. I think that's definitely fine. Uh, Drake Jackson is uh, a player who I think is the most 
uh, like the guy who seems like is the most likely just because of opportunity. Jackson's a guy who right now is slated to start uh, alongside Nick Bosa. And I mean, when you're, when you're there with Bosa, Armstead and Hargrave, you're going to be commanding one-on-ones most of the time. And I think that that's beneficial to a player like Drake Jackson, who's trying to get stronger, trying to, you know, make him this 49ers roster. Definitely like the pick. I'll go a different route again. Um, and I'll go with the linebacker. I'll go Marcelino McCreary ball or Burks. I think is a guy who could also be in this conversation, understanding that he was a guy who stepped up last year, saw some of the reps when Aziz Shire was either injured or, you know, uh, towards the end of the year, you saw him sometimes in the game as well. I think he could also be a candidate, but I like Marcelino McCreary ball. He confidently said he'd make the 53 last year. I think you could have made an argument for it, but I think he does make the 53 this year. Um, I think he competes with, Demetrius Flanagan fouls, and I like his chances. I think the 49ers take him, and I'll I'll go with the bold prediction that he makes the 53 over Flanagan fouls this year. Yeah, I know I like it. That's a that's a really good that's a good one too. Um I don't know about making the 53 oh. over him because I think they oh, wait, both no. can make they'll it. probably make it both. They'll probably both make it as the five. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think they both can make it. Uh if he makes it, it's like more over um uh Curtis Robinson instead. Yeah, or the, yeah, Curtis Robinson. Thank you for picking me up with that one. So yeah, no, but I, I do think that it, it's it's a good one there. And I got I got Black Fifty Nine Razor. He's checking my clock behind me. Thanks for letting me know my clock's eight minutes ahead. How do you how do you think I get on here? We're always on time on these shows. That's why we're never late. Oh, okay, got it, got it. You see, now we're getting a little bit back in the line with Jack. Got it. <laughs> but hey, man, it's been a it's been a fun forty eight minutes today. Appreciate you coming on. Any last thoughts before we head on out? No, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good off season. If it has been so far, you know, uh, next week's gonna be interesting because of the owner me- owners meeting. So we're gonna hear a little bit oh, of yeah. of I think we'll get a little bit more of an update on uh, the quarterbacks and those types of things. And we didn't even get into the quarterbacks, which I'm, I'm bummed about because I had a lot to talk about with quarterbacks today, and we didn't get into it. That means quarterbacks um, definitely on the topic next week. Yeah, you know, and so we'll we'll see uh, we'll see what happens there and. Keep it locked into my, you know, make sure you tune into my channel. I'm going to, I know people like my film breakdowns and uh, I haven't done one since the season ended. I think it's time to do that again. Yeah, no, definitely. And I mean, there's going to be a lot, uh, a lot going on. Owners meetings, like Jack said, is next week. We'll be here back on Friday next week. So we'll be able to re, uh, re uh, talk about the owners meetings once again. That'll be a fun, uh, fun topic for sure. But guys, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Jack, as always, appreciate you for bringing the energy and talking about it. As Luke Walsh says, be sure to click the thumbs up both on my video and on Jack's video. Be sure to tune into his channel as well. We'll be back with some more content very soon. Absolutely. Thanks, everybody. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.